Wait a second. Are you sure you can do that? Let me see your character sheet. Just how many damn pages are character sheets now? Look, I don't have time to read through all this, okay? I guess you can do that. It's called a character sheet, not a character tone. Hello and welcome to the Grognards. I am Dean Geiken. I am Eric Hawley. Greg Ziegler is on his way, so we'll let him introduce himself when he finally gets here to yeah. the studio. Uh, so, Eric, how are you feeling about yourself today? I'm tired. You I'll, tired? I, but I have a, a break in the con schedule. But yeah. I, but I did have something. We're covering character sheets today. Well, that's kind of where I was segueing in. I was like, does your con stat allow oh. you to, uh, you know... To, are, are you feeling good about yourself? Are your I, constitution up? I, I I guess maybe I don't know. <laughs> I mean I'm I'm sort of tens across the board. I would say. Okay, so you're tens across the board. So yeah, yeah. ten point five. Okay, uh, well, a <laughs> little better than average. A little better. <laughs> no, that than is average for three d six. Ten point five. I guess it is. That okay, that's true. But here's the thing with this topic. When we first got this, I was like, are we going to have anything to talk about? I mean, how much can we say about character sheets? This turned into the biggest rabbit hole. For, it, there's quite a bit out there. There is a lot out there. <laughs> but I don't think we need to go into it ad nauseum. No, we won't. But we went quickly from do we have enough to talk about to can we fit everything we want to say into yeah. our reasonably length podcast. Now, I'll have to admit, my only real experience with most character sheets are with D&D. There's a couple other ones. But, you know, a lot of games have character sheets that you don't really consider to be character sheets. Car Wars, for yeah. instance, you and I both picked up the reissues of Steve Jackson's Car Wars. There's a record sheet there. Yeah, I haven't opened mine yet. You haven't? I still have my old Car Wars, so yeah. I'm not sure I want to open the new one. Yeah. But I got it just in case. That's right. That's right. So, But we'll get into that in a little bit. Right now, we need to take a look at what we've been doing. So here's our segment, Games People Play. Yeah. All right, so I'll let you go first. What you been playing? Yeah, like I said, this is sort of a dead time for conventions. Mm -hmm. Now, I do have a few coming up in uh, about a month, so GaryCon's coming up. Already planning on that. Yeah. You and I are the uh, lowest of the low in the totem pole. Yeah, they have like five <laughs> badge levels at GaryCon, and we're, you know. Yeah, I, but I they, they do them out for like metal, like silver, gold, platinum. They should do them under, like, uh, those character titles that they had in first edition. <laughs> Peon. So, like, we should be, like, foot pads or something, you know? Right. And then uh, the top people can be master thieves. Yes. That that would work better in my mind. Maybe I'll we'll have to mention that to yeah. Luke. At the time of this recording, we are, what, one day out from being able to register on our level, which is the standard silver level. They've got the gold. They've got the... Uh, what I is don't, it? I don't, There's, like, four or five yeah. levels, which is a lot for... Yeah. That, you know, like Gen Con just has a regular and a vague. So we're on that. But there, there is one coming up that I'm sort of excited about. You know, I run those cosplay fabrication workshops. Right. And there's a convention up in Milwaukee called the Midwest Gaming Classic. That was on my radar to go to, but I've just got too many things going on that I can't fit it in. So it's sort of a, an outlier. It's been going on for years, mm -hmm. but it's been a video game console convention. So like Galaga. Really? Yeah. They've packed this floor with console games and you go and you play these console games and there's like hundreds of picture at least that it looks like there's, there's How do hundreds. you think that works out? Do you well, register I'm, to play it at a certain time? Well, no, you buy a badge and I think you just walk around. I don't know. I've never been, mm -hmm. but they are trying to expand. And I actually had just this morning, I was checking... I think it was on Facebook, and I saw somebody who was talking about going there for RPGs mm -hmm. to, to play. I also saw another workshop that's being offered, first time ever, Larry Elmore, the artist, really? is offering a workshop on painting, fantasy painting, first time ever that he's offering it. That is It's like 30 bucks. That's freaking cool. Yeah. If I wasn't doing my workshop, I have, I know nothing about art. I'm not an artist. But it would be neat to sit yes, in there. To sit in there and just listen to the guy. And, and you to know. see the talent that would yeah. be in that room. Yeah. Too. I see him at a lot of conventions, you know, selling prints and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. 
but this first time he's offering a workshop. So he I got- is he is a very interesting person to speak to, especially when you talk to him about the development of the iconic Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. uh, image. Um, so if you do get a chance and you happen to be up there, I'm talking to everybody in general. Yeah, sit yeah. and talk so, with him. So that adventure is. Uh, April, I believe it starts on Friday the third. Advent- it might start on. You just called it an adventure. Adventure at convention. God, <laughs> I told you it's it's my wisdom that's suffering this morning. Um, that's April third, fourth, fifth. It might be the second. Yeah. Um, but I'm running a cosplay fabrication workshop up there. So far, I've only ran them at Gen Con. I figured, yeah, yeah let me try to run one outside. They are Gen pushing Con. cosplay up there, so I'm just going to drive up to Milwaukee for the morning and run a workshop. See how it goes. Oh, you're just doing a one day. Yeah, I I don't really want to get a hotel room, and yeah. we got a uh, bunch you, of conventions after that. What are you going to fabricate, or at least have them it's for, fabricate? It's for uh, thermal plastics, okay. so people can can make whatever they want. They get a piece of thermal plastic. We go over to teach people how to use it, yeah. what tools to use, you know, techniques, and mm-hmm. then they get to mess around with it and make something. Two hour class, four hours, four hour. Yeah, there's like an hour, hour and a half of instruction. We cover everything. After you take my cool. class, you can. You know, and if you're artistic, you can make good looking stuff. I can make stuff. I just don't make good looking stuff. That's good. That's a good idea. That one hour of instruction. That's great for a yeah. fabrication. That's not good for a game. No. That I was in recently where hmm, they tried to get us to do an hour's worth of instruction on how to play the game. <laughs> that yeah, wasn't good. Yeah, yeah. You got to be able to quick no. start a game. Yeah. And then um, I started working on a cosplay for D8 Summit because I won the costume contest up there last year as my beholder. That's coming up in April. Is this. The one where I recently saw a picture of you in a green bodysuit? That's the costume, yes. And I don't want to let totally let the cat out of the bag, but I think by the time this podcast drops, we'll be much closer. So, And okay. I'm probably going to wear this cosplay at Gen Con, too, where it'll get much more attention. But I am going to go as the Paizo Paizo Goblin. You know that goblin yeah, character? Right, yeah, yeah. Yes. So I'm making a giant head, uh-huh. and I have you know the the tattered clothing and the beat up sword. Right. So we'll see how it turns out. I am surprised that nobody has done that yet. That's what I was thinking. And there's Pathfinder crowd is mm-hmm. huge at Gen Con. Oh yeah. But you know what I think it is? It's that the not nothing against the Pathfinder crowd, but a lot of them have seen many winters. That's the polite way of saying it, right? <laughs> and most cosplayers are pretty young. Right. That's so true. I don't think a general, you know, cosplayer who grew up on anime and manga is thinking, I'm going to be the Paisa yeah. Goblin. I am, I've been thinking, my wife actually helped me with this with a birth, uh, not a birthday, but a Christmas gift for cosplay for Gen Con this year. Okay. Whose birthday? Yours or something? No, no, else's? no. It was, it was a Christmas gift. Oh, she gave she, it to you yeah, for she, Christmas. For okay. Christmas. I misspoke. So maybe my, uh, or my, my intelligence, intelligence yes. is, is, is okay. suffering today too. Um, our intelligence is directly related to how many cups of coffee we've had. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go as 50-something Johnny Quest. Oh, there you go. 50-something-year-old Johnny Quest. Maybe you could get our vice president to go as Race Bannon. Damn it, Eric, I have said this many times, and people are like, what, are you crazy? And I'm like, no, I think that's an awesome idea. He looks like Race Bannon. Yeah, Mike Pence is Race Bannon in looks. Well, not not in looks, yes. In looks. Yes. I mean- Maybe I was like, you know, maybe I could write to him and say, hey, why don't you come back to Indianapolis for a couple of hours, yeah. walk around. But I need to find uh, a bandit oh, a plushie. Dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can probably find one on eBay. You can find everything on eBay. Yeah, I got to find one. Do you know of anybody or, or who'd be willing Amazon. to do haji? <laughs> I don't know any small Indian children. I'm not sure how that would go. Who are go willing across. to run around in nothing but like... A wraparound yeah, loincloth. Uh, he did eventually wear the kind of the, like the, the jacket, the like Nehru the, jacket. Yeah, but those were like also probably don't have a good history. Like, you know, weren't those like what servants wore during the colonial era? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they're traditional. I don't know. I'm just talking off the top of my head, but yeah. I don't think they're traditional Indian. I think yeah. they were probably brought in. Yeah, I like your idea. I think you will get a lot of attention with that. Yeah. And we all know Eric loves the attention. Well, I have my like this huge thing over my face, so you can't really tell it's yeah. me anyway. That's a cool idea. Yeah. But how big is the head going to be? Because that is a disproportionately um, I, the, large head. The base of it is an 18-inch beach ball. So that's what I started with. Hmm. I actually have a, a picture. I don't know if I want to post a picture. Yeah. And Good idea. Know. Good idea. So that's – otherwise, you know, I really need to get paint and minis. That's the other thing. Are you behind? I probably – I have like – 
five in process so if i just started finishing them i wouldn't be behind yeah i too eric and i are working on our new year's eve resolution it's a joint resolution to paint one mini a week which you would think is easy to do but if you're busy it ain't so easy the thing is it's not the kind of thing you can just sit down and do for 15 minutes no right you need to set aside that block of time and work on it mine is usually either saturday or sunday mornings and i try to block out a half hour to an hour yeah um, and I think I may have bit off more than I can chew because I'm doing 15 skeletons at one time. And I have come to believe that that is not my favorite way to do anything. I would just do a really dense wash and hold them by the base and dip them in. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have to kind of look like the rest of the ones that I've painted. But uh, um, I'm painting some individuals along the way so that I can kind of keep up with that. But it's tougher than people think. It I, is. It's just to set aside that time every day or every week. Yeah. Unless you are a regular mini painter and that's your that's your thing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh are you aren't you also going to another convention? Um I have uh, April's crazy. Is D eight isn't that D eight's in April. It's okay, the end of April, right. April twenty fourth. Are you doing a roll call down in St. Louis is yes. the weekend before that. Are you doing Hoosier Con? I am not. I was going to and I actually had two rooms reserved because I couldn't remember if I had reserved a room. Have you so. still got them? No, I turned them in. Okay, because we are going to go. My wife okay. and I are going to go. Oh, okay. That's a good convention. Mm-hmm. I just, I couldn't do a, a convention every weekend in April. I was yeah. like, ah, it's not going to work. We have other reasons why we're going to go to Indy, but we're going to make that part of the, the whole trip. So Yeah. 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 Um, anything else? No, I, I, I mean, it's it's sort of a slow time. I'm sure next podcast will probably, or the one after, we'll have yeah. a ton of stuff to talk about. Well, um, what about you? You and I both uh, picked up our Steve Jackson repops of the old box games i think you went all in and got everything yeah i mean you had to select so i got ogre i got illuminati uh, necromancer i got some stuff that i didn't have back in the day but i also got the whole car wars because i still want to run car wars at a convention Mm -hmm. i picked up the ones that i had played or wanted to play in the past um i picked up ogre because uh, i got that jimmy mcguire said he'll come and play it yeah that's his thing he loves it he's been in tournaments for anything with wheels yeah yeah, exactly. That That's a very good description. So, Jimmy, if you listen, you know, I think that anything that, you know, involves wheels, we can probably get you to play. Wasn't that his nickname? What? Was that his wheels? wheels? No, Migs. We, Migs, okay. Migs. Well, maybe we should rename it. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll maybe call him Mags. Mags. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> he might be a little um, old to yeah. get a new nickname, though. And the Fantasy Trip Melee and Wizard uh, part. I don't know how I feel about that. He's been pushing that. I see the, yeah. them pushing that at conventions. Yeah, yeah. And then I picked up also Car Wars. Yeah. So. Um, but I've been uh, been doing more playtesting of the game that is coming out, hopefully in Kickstarter this late spring. I can't say what it is. Actually, I think I can. It's for... I'm not even going to bother because I'm under an NDA, so yeah, I don't want to say anything. But I've been doing a lot of playtesting, and I don't know... If you've done any playtesting... We talked about that last time. It's a pain. It is, yeah. So that's kind of what I've been doing. I've not been able to do much gaming because, like you said, there's it's kind of slow, but it's also I've been very busy. So yeah. We did... Uh, I ran at the Adventures League table on a couple nights ago, Wednesday night, and we had two brand new people show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was a middle-aged black woman who is probably the rarest of... You know, race, gender, age combinations <laughs> right. you will ever find yeah. gaming. So, you know, more. And the other the second new player was a younger kid, probably about 16, 17. And just the hobby continues to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's it's reaching people who never, you know, would have had access before, I think. Right. So I went to one of the local establishments, and my wife and I participated in a trivia night game. And it was the 80s trivia night game, and we came in third out of about 20 teams. Nice. So, yeah. 80s trivia. You guys should be good at that. Yeah. We all lived in the 80s. That's right. It's always easier if you live through the decade. Yes. Uh, the music one was my forte and some of the movies, but uh, we still got beat by people who apparently, I don't know if they were Googling it or what, but man, they came out with a perfect There score. are, I've done some bar trivia, not a huge amount, but there are some people that I think are professional bar trivia players because they will rattle off some of those answers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, look who just slid into the studio. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, anything sorry about that? Yeah. yeah. Did you have any uh, games that you played over the last? Um, time we met? Just my regular Star Wars game. Okay. And it was uh, it was another dude night. So another dude night. Yeah. Clone Wars season eleven starting soon, right? Today. Today. Yeah. Starts today. Well, by the time people listen to this, it'll be a couple weeks old. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I, I actually did not stay up and watch it last night. Okay. But, uh, I'm I'm still reviewing the important episodes. To lead up to it, which is about twenty. I've, I've only watched like two episodes of Clone Wars. I just can't do the cartoon thing. I don't know. That's that's really really sad because it's some of yeah, the best I know. Star I've Wars heard people say done. it's it's yeah. like the best Star Wars, but especially Clone Wars. So yeah, this maybe is, I'll maybe I'll start to watch it. Yeah. I'm super cranked about this. Since we're talking this type of stuff, Greg, have you had a chance to watch Picard? I have been watching Picard. And uh, are you enjoying it? Um, it's okay. Yeah. Um, sometimes I like it. Sometimes I'm a little bored by it. Uh, I'm well, there's only been, well, four episodes. Three so episodes. Far. Yeah, I haven't seen this week's episode yet, which uh, it took three episodes for them to get into space. And if there's only going to be, what, <laughs> nine or ten episodes, ten episodes, I think, ten. then, yeah, I, it needs to pick it up a little bit. Yeah. I think it's going to be more bingeable because if you're watching it a week at a time, you really got to want to watch it to make it through. But. I'm a TOS guy more than a next gen guy, so right, I'm, right. I'm not like super. Oh, I got to watch it next. I'm highly <laughs> enjoying it. I think that it, the story is well written so far, and everything. It's far better than Discovery, I think. But again, I do agree that it took him a long time to get into space. Yeah, it's uh, okay. it's it's moving at a 94 year old pace. Yeah. So. so anyhow, that is our segment: the games people play. All right, let's get into it. We are talking about our character sheets yeah. and how character sheets have kind of developed over the length of uh, the history the, of the game. The rabbit hole that turned into character sheets. I think Greg had this idea originally, didn't you? Somebody. I, I, I probably did. brought it. Uh, yeah, we were looking through something, and I might have <laughs> mentioned it, because I, I like character sheets, and for uh, not anymore, because, you know, the, the older you get, the more money you have and the less time you have. Not, um, not, yeah, not to argue, but I did have that idea. Yeah. Oh, was he? Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. I, yeah. probably, I know I enthusiastically agreed with you. <laughs> yeah. I like character sheets. But, uh, yeah, especially in the 80s and 90s, if I started playing a new game first thing i did was make up my own character sheet for it yeah you know? and that's a huge and the reason this came up was because that's huge now i see people posting 5e character sheets that they've done themselves mm-hmm. oh yeah with, it's i know it's a big it's there's a yeah, big etsy I, industry on that custom hand-drawn yeah with portrait the artwork character and, sheets you know it's it's crazy it's been going on since the game started yeah. I made my own character sheets back in the 80s. But did you decorate them really nicely? I didn't. Well, I didn't yeah. have that type of, of of an ability, but I thought that my character sheets were better than what yeah, they are. Yeah, back offer. in the day, well, if you well, had your, a picture your, on it, you yeah, were doing well, good. Your question is at one of the cruxes of character sheet, the character sheet dilemma, yes. which I'm sure we're getting into. Well, here. let's start at the <laughs> beginning. Okay, so let's just shout out to Playing at the World. Is that, what's it, John Peterson? John Peterson. John yes, Peterson. Yes. This guy covered everything. Because yeah. like, when we started digging down this hole, of course, the first thing we find is a John Peterson and just a nice little snippet of the history. So the first character sheet, um, there was none. So yeah. in ODD... <laughs> Uh, the the brown books, page ten of Might and Magic, and I brought or uh, Men and Magic. I brought my Men and Magic book, and he has a quote in there. But basically, it says that you roll dice. No, no, it's appropriate scores. Obtain similar roll. Blah blah. And uh, maybe it's not page ten. <laughs> but it basically says, like, write it down. Roll ability scores and write down what you get. Let me get you some post-it tabs. Um, in addition to that, you should uh, – they give an example that's just all text of Xylarthen, which is a character name they just came up with. And it has his class, his six abilities, his gold, and his experience totals. It doesn't even have hit points. <laughs> Or armor class or anything like that. So that was ah, where, where we that. started. Just basically like a line with with places that you could change gold piece and experience point totals. Uh, they didn't have a form or anything like that. So, of course, gamers well, you, being gamers. Well, you didn't have a way to copy a form back then, really, in the no, 70s. The, the mimeographs yeah. that 
You know. And the only place you could do that was in the student School, you'd office. Have, you'd have to yeah, get that friendly office. teacher or, or, or the secretary yeah. in the office. Right. Yeah, I know in the in the late late 70s and early 80s, yeah, I had to send my uh, Starfleet Battles SSD sheets with my mom to work so she yeah. could so, make me copies. For our younger listeners, before photocopy machines, <laughs> which is an in- impressive technology if you ever do the research how that works, all electrostatic and stuff like that. But it's anyway... Nice. You had mimeograph machines, and what would you would do is you would. I think you had to write on a special sheet of paper, and then they would put that page on a drum, and the drum would mm-hmm. then sort of spin around and make sort of copies. But it was all mechanical, and and the copies the the ink was blue, so everybody our age. Or older can recall the smell of fresh mimeographs when the teacher would bring them into the room and hand out the pages. It's yeah, because a, a, it lot used, of, a lot of people called them dittos. Yes. Dittos, yeah. Yeah, we called them dittos. It used a bit of glue in the formula of the ink. Is that, and and so that all is the kids why. were sniffing glue. That explains yeah. well, a lot were, for our generation. And they were generation. cold, too. And they were fresh out of the machine. Yeah, they were cold. It was, it was, you know, it was like an endothermic process. So, uh, yeah, you, you know, it, you, there was a cold piece of paper. And they would hand them out. And if you knew it was cold, you knew it would smell good. Yeah. There's there's that famous scene in, um, for those who have seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High, where he hands out paper. <laughs> and the shot of everyone in the classroom lifting up their sheets and, yes. <laughs> and taking a big, deep sniff. And that's, yep. uh, that's exactly what it was like. Now, personally, when I was in high school, my brother's four years older than me. He was going to college. This would have been probably uh, 1983-ish, 84-ish. He was working part-time as a nighttime security guard, which was a perfect job for him because he could work on his homework, his college work, yeah. and then he actually even took a nap, um, not to get him in trouble. But uh, <laughs> so, so he could Statue make some money and go to college. Well, <laughs> it was at a place that made vinyl wall coverings, a big factory with an office. Oh. So I would go in with my brother, and they, he would like leave me in the office, and they had a photocopier. Because it was a big oh, company. Yeah. And I copied everything. Character sheets, Dragon Magazine articles, whatever I needed. I would spend a lot of time copying on their photocopier. Um, so that's how I did it. But but originally, yeah. you didn't have – people didn't have access to yeah, that Yeah, it was stuff. like the mid-'80s before you had Kinko's at your disposal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you were, if you were lucky, you had a typewriter so you could actually type out – And that's what you see. Most of these are the character you had sheets. on your character yeah. sheet, yes. Somebody who had some typing skills and you had to line everything mm-hmm. up. And that also was not easy. Yeah. And then your alternative after that was then you would put it in a clear protective sheet, a plastic – Yes. Um, – folder mm-hmm. and then you had two choices you could use a wipe off pen which weren't as common but what did we all use back in the day wax originally pencil. grease pen yeah, yep. grease wax pen. pen grease pen yeah yep. and they were not great now because they could <laughs> you could lose numbers if you sort of smudged it yes so anyway you know after that the, there was fanzines which are sort of making a recovery that's a whole nother podcast maybe fanzines. that's a weird thing i don't yeah I don't sort of unofficial publications supporting a hobby yeah okay? that's a fanzine for people who might not know i call them a web page yeah so there was a fanzine that immediately came out with uh herald haven herald one Came out with a character sheet in May third of nineteen seventy five. Right. <laughs> so the the community was like, we want character sheets. There was actually another fanzine as well, and that was alarums and alarums excursions. And excursions, which followed that two months later with a different character sheet. Now, the the Haven Herald one, I you know I have a copy of it. We'll post pictures in our podcast notes, but it's it's clearly done on a typewriter. Mm-hmm. You know, and it has spots for all what you would expect, character name, player name, your stats. It has levels, and you circle your level. So they typed out all the numbers, and you would just circle it. Love that font. Then they have, you know, hit dice, your hit dice value, which is handy because you get level drain, right? Uh, experience, equipment, treasure, encumbrance. So that was that was like the minimum you would really need to have a a character sheet, I think. But there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So they, they offered that, and then people could copy it, hopefully, if they had a way to do that, or just, you know, hand copy it. Now, Alarums and Excursions in July of 75 has a much more detailed sheet. And it has all that same information. They add sex alignment armor class, yeah. which was not in, in the other one. Um 
But the funniest part is this, and I'm just going to read this. It's a breakdown. It's a breakdown for new players. The uh-huh. bottom two thirds of the sheet is nine steps for playing D and D, and this is sort of <laughs> this is throwback. Well, no, this is more for character creation. Yes. Yeah, uh, but for new people who might not be familiar. Mm-hmm. So Dungeons & Dragons takes at least three hours of play once you get started. Follow this sheet, <laughs> and you can get underway faster. Yeah, three hours. It's probably true. At well, least yeah, because everyone's dead by then. Step one. it was a rough game. Step one. Ask the dungeon master if you can take two characters instead of one. Then don't bother him until the expedition starts. He's busy. In all capital point. letters. Yes. <laughs> So so clearly DM prep was not a thing no. even back then because no. you're prepping as your characters are jack or your players are jacking around. Step two, borrow three dice, <laughs> six-sided, or make do with just one. Uh, yeah. Greg, that's sacrilege to Greg. No. Have no. a friend who who's played before watch you roll and interpret for you. Always try to roll high. <laughs> that's Nine a four. To Twelve is an average ability. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Always try to roll high. Yeah, like, like you have, you have anything choice. to do yeah. with it. Yeah. <laughs> Step three, start with column A and roll three dice. Put the total in one strength. Roll three dice for each ability. Roll one for hit points and three times for initial gold pieces. Three times ten, sorry, for initial gold pieces. Then do B. If a friend says you have a playable character, use it. If not, make <laughs> one last try in C. For two characters, roll A through E and discard the poorest three. X them out. So basically what that says, and that is very confusing if you yeah. never did it, you have columns of six ability scores. Yeah. Strength, intelligence, dexterity, constitution, charisma. And you just roll a set of six scores and you look at it. Can I play this character? No. Right? So they're saying you roll two sets, pick the best one, and if the DM, if neither of those sets work, you can roll a third set. Let's well, that's big of them. Yes. And if you're work, you know, rolling two characters, yeah. then you do that twice. What I love is like, have a friend say if that character is playable or not. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't know. Assuming that whoever's reading this doesn't right. know what they're yeah. doing. Yeah. No, no, well, I get a, that. But I mean, your yeah. friend is dictating, you know, it's like, oh, I don't, I think that's a shit character. Yeah. Well, now, and if that person wants to do better, oh, I love, that's a great character. Look at all those ones and twos. You want that. Yeah. Interestingly so. enough, my very first D&D game, I played two characters. Huh. Same here. I had Strider, the magic user. Not, Everybody I mean, <laughs> has Strider. Yes, and I had Zarek, the halfling warrior. Wow, you must have been watching Battlestar Galactica. No, Battlestar Galactica wasn't out then. Yeah. But there was a Zarek in there. Okay, Zarek is my name with a Z at the front of it. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Zarek was out before you were playing D&D. I played and started in 78. Yeah, Galactica was out in 77. Was it? Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, like, was Zarek? I don't Was Zarek in the original Galactica? I think so. I don't I, don't, I, could, be, I could be. I'll have to go there back. There is and... actually a Zarek in, uh, in the Tolkien lore. That's where I got yeah. it. Is from. there really? I had a, a little Tolkien book with names in it. Huh. That I, it was a paperback I had picked up. Uh, uh, with, yeah, I've got that book. Yeah. My, my, yeah. my first Anyways. character was a human thief. His name was Kodos. What did I name him? Where did I get that, Dean? Kodos. Oh. Oh my gosh, my eighties or yeah, trivia guy. Yeah, no kidding. Kodos is that, is that from Crawl? Star Trek: The Original Series, Conscience of the King, Kodos the Executioner. <laughs> really? Uh, wow, good boom. one, good one, right. good one. <laughs> so hold on, we're only up step four. Dean, show this Star sheet. Trek fail. Yeah. <laughs> step four: Show this sheet to the expedition leader and ask him if he needs a particular type or race. Whoever decides, discuss options with your friend. Choose a name and write it down. Race, type, sex, and alignment. Please don't be too attached to this Neo character. <laughs> Neo if character. he or she dies, you might feel badly. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Obviously not written for a modern audience because yeah, these no, days if someone would, gets killed, they would be traumatized yeah, and, and need counseling. Greg would already have a 52-page character background right. by this point. Yeah. Step five, roll two dice separately for Swanson abilities. Return to return the dice. What is that, so, TV dinner abilities? What? No, so Swanson <laughs> abilities were... Uh, like special abilities that were outside of the... the yeah, outside, outside of the game rules. Yeah, so uh, in the yeah, uh, yeah, when playing we, at the world, yes, they I think they mentioned Swanson abilities. Yeah, it, it was uh, where was it at here? They basically it was named after a, a DM who allowed some extra abilities to differentiate characters from one another a little bit because right. every first level fighter in AD&D or Almost ODD like skills. was essentially the same except for your stats. That was it. And a lot of your stats didn't matter. So 
basically they they put in these extra abilities to try to make make them a little different. Hmm. So step six, equip your character using the table of prices and relying on your friend's advice. List what you have on the back of this page. If you must borrow, return 10 times the amount from your share of the loot if you survive. Find out your armor class and encumbrance and write them down. I think what they mean by that is not borrow from other characters, but borrow from like the, the bank, the bank uh, the, or the, the, or the merchant. Bank. Yeah. 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 So they let you borrow at a thousand percent interest. interest. I was going to say, that's a really steep uh, return right there. Uh, step seven, show this completed list to the expedition leader, who, by the way, is a player. We're not talking about the dungeon master. Oh, you, well, you, had, you can't bother him. He's busy. No, he's busy. <laughs> the expedition leader, every game had one person who was running yes. the part, like who would speak for the party mm-hmm. during the game. So huh. that's it. Um, and he yeah, can that wouldn't fly anymore. So he can no put way. you on the expedition <laughs> list. Magic users, get your spells assigned. <laughs> it was easy. At first level, you had one. Step eight, use any free time to look at book one and memorize what you can <laughs> and c- cannot do. What do your ability scores suggest to you as an as an actor? Okay. So here you go. They were into role play. A yeah, lot of people think right. it was all number crunching, mm-hmm. but no. Like the reason D and D took off was because you got to do that role play aspect. So you were supposed to. Yeah, and this is it's a 1975. Most, so this yeah, is going most back. People I knew were still playing themselves by in '83. Yeah. <laughs> I love step nine. Step nine. <laughs> Remember where your character is in the marching order and what room or corridor he's in. It's so called split pay parties. attention. Yeah, split parties were a thing too. Know what you couldn't couldn't do couldn't see or do from that viewpoint. That's so, called know the rules. Well, and play your character. Play your character. Uh, never interrupt the dungeon master in all caps exclamation point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> do only your fair of shocking of talking. State your action briefly. If you don't understand what's happening, say so nicely. Keep track of your hit points and spell points if assigned. Can we go back to these rules? Those are I like, these are good rules. Yeah. That should be like the nine command. That one should be certainly one of the commandments of role playing. Yeah, and you can tell these people already by 1975 had played a ton of D&D. Mm-hmm. To come up with these rules, you know they ran into every problem I still see posts about online. I have one player and they spend all their time talking and nobody else gets to do right. anything. Or mm-hmm. I have a player interacted on meta-knowledge, which is what we call it now. They didn't have that term back then. Oh. But, you know, and they're always, their characters always acted on stuff they wouldn't know. But, you know, so all this stuff was around back then. You know, the Brown box came out in '74. This is July of '75. So people, yeah. Quick people are crazy. Now. Yeah. So, as it turns out, the TSR realized they were sort of missing the boat here. After a few years. Yeah, not even that long. Oh, was uh, they? Let's see. When did TSR first come out with theirs? I think it was '76 or '77. I believe 76. it was seventy-seven. Well, they had they had an internal character sheet that he lists from TSR that's incredibly similar to that that first one, that first fan one, but set up a little nicer. And these were apparently a pad of them that you could tear off at the top. That tells you how much deadlier and yeah. D&D original character record sheet was. was seventy-seven. Yep. Yes, but they had an internal one in seventy-six that they were already playing with. Yes. Right, and then in seventy-seven they came out with. The character record sheet, and this is where you go down the rabbit hole. And that is for the basic D and D game. Yeah, yeah, we're so, not. This is not AD and D, right? This is well, AD and D was out. Seventy seven is when that started, right? Mm-hmm. The, uh, uh, player's handbook, I think. I think so, but those record sheets didn't come out until seventy nine. So yeah, so and here's where it gets weird because my, you know, it was a long time ago. I don't have the best memory, but my recollection was we always played with the goldenrod sheets. Now I used to play with uh, kind of the. Aquamarine sheets, which were for the basic D&D. Okay, yeah. So we sort of skipped basic. We sort of poo-pooed it. Mm -hmm. But I know we played prior to 79, so I think we just had pages. We just wrote our stuff down on a piece of paper, and that was our character sheet. I don't ever recall not having a player sheet, but then again, I started with the basic one, so we were using those kind of those aquamarine kind of greenish-blue sheets yeah. that were for the basic game, and then when we were introduced to uh, AD&D, the goldenrod ones had already come out by then. I think they were goldenrod. Were those the very first ones? Again... No. That's the thing. So that's, that's where we get even deeper into the hole. So we had the, the basic D&D sheets... But then Tom Wham, who's a name we, we come across every once in a while, 
he did some character record sheets with like a cartoony drawing on the front and his I don't know if those were AD&D or they were just I believe they were AD&D this like I said this turns into a quick rabbit hole but the thing is uh, actually the blog post here lists them as for regular D&D 79 okay. record sheets Tom Wham art on cover okay so I believe there was also 77 Tom Wham sheets but this is where it gets great because they released – remember, they were doing AD&D and basic D&D at the same time, and they were releasing separate products for them, which in retrospect is a little weird because Goodman Games just came out uh, last year with their hardcover Isle of Dread. Mm-hmm. Isle of Dread was X1. It was an expert module. So it was part of the D&D, expert D&D line. But we played that as AD&D. We didn't care. We just sort of adapted it. It was – there were – more similarities and differences between the two versions of D&D. We, you know, when they had the basic sheets, I'm sure people were just would just grab them and use them for for whatever, you know, if they were playing AD&D. But for me personally, it was the goldenrod sheets and those are the ones that had they were class specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some sheets made by players that went class-specific right prior to that because it makes sense, right? If you you don't need a yeah. spell listing List. if you're a fighter. No, precisely. You know, and you don't need, you know, seven weapon lines if you're a magic user. So they basically started coming out with class-specific and, and— Well, you do now because everybody can do everything. Everybody can cast spells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think every class can literally cast spells. Is there a class? Maybe monk—no, monks probably get a spell-casting archetype. I bet you every yeah. class can cast spells. Oh, yeah. So those are also a good way to remember the the character groupings. So, you know, character sheets like the one I'm looking at right now, yep. Thief, Assassin, Monk. Those Goldenrod sheets, they had everything on they it. They are, I think, the most iconic yes. of the character sheets. Yeah. And um, a lovely decorative border. Yes. Yeah, they have the nice border. You know what I, I – you know, in looking at this, this is the little things I appreciate. The move base, you know, your movement rate – it's a little boot with a curled toe. Yes. Yeah. Like one of those little elven boots. Yes. And your your weapon in hand has like a your hand with the sword, the hilt. Yes. And it sort of turns into the line. And take a look on the back when you've got like your valuable items. I yes, think your magic magic. items has like a little magical necklace. Yes. Uh, but of course, the best part of the goldenrod sheets is the very bottom of the second page. Yeah, you've mentioned this before. Yes. Will. Your will. I blank do hereby blank. Where does your shit go? Who gets your stuff? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and it has everything you need. I, I spent so many hours looking at these sheets, you know, that your saving throws, mm-hmm. you know, middle middle right side of your, your first page. Okay, so we're in the advanced D&D, and the character sheet has come a long way from where it started. Of course, the game has evolved and changed and grown and stuff like that, so you need these extra things. But if you take a look at the character sheets of today, yeah, I don't think that they've advanced as much. No, I, I think the goldenrod sheet was pretty much the pinnacle. But here's the other thing, too. I brought, like, I had the Great Purge, where I got rid yeah. of most, but I didn't get rid of my character stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't oh, selling my stuff, character. Right. Yeah. So I have, like, three folders. And here's the other thing, is that each character would have a folder with notes, right? Of course, yeah. So I kind of do that now. Yeah. So it wasn't just the sheet. Now this one's better. Now you you have a, a a folder here. Eric has a folder here where the character sheet is kind of this. That's a second edition. Character that's a second sheet. edition character sheet. Okay. Yeah. I was still using because it's got that logo in the corner. That it's got the AD and D. The oh yeah, see, yes, that's that's a dead giveaway. Yep. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, this one is kind of a uh, a light tan with darker tan highlights. And it's, but information wise, it's not substantially different from right. the goldenrod sheet. Really, yeah. they made some improvements. And then he's got basically a debits and credits uh, accountant's <laughs> <laughs> paper here, where he's got all of his stuff, keeping track of what he has and what he does not have. So. Yeah, now, and, and you could, you know, you would write notes for NPC names. This is that one you were looking at, Dean? That was Bowen the Black, the infamous Bowen the Black, yeah. who lost practically two levels. Yeah. And some of the other things that came out at the same time with Advanced D&D, and I'm holding this one in my hand that you brought, I forgot I actually had this, is the Dungeon Master's Adventure Log, yep. which 
was really quite nice because it was essentially a stat tracker for the DM. I just did that Wednesday. I had seven people at my table. Normally, I track initiative by putting hangers on the front of my DM screen. But we were a little crowded. I didn't want to use a screen. I just passed a paper around with essentially that information on it. Yep. You know, player name, character name, armor class, and fifth edition. I Mm -hmm. like to have passive perception, race, um, and, you know, whatever other little tidbits you want to put on there. Well, this has, um, these are black and white or gray and white, and they're in, these don't come out. They were original. No, they don't come out. They, they, They do not come out. Um, so this is and kind I, of like a record, a record I believe book the first sorts. entry from that was 19... I don't know if I have a date on those. You didn't tend to date this stuff because it no. didn't matter. But this has all of the charts yeah. that were on the Dungeon Master screen, for the most part, in the first two pages. And then you've got your character number, like going around the table, the player name, the character name, class and level, race and sex, alignment, special abilities, or magic items and personal abilities, combat adjustments, armor class and type, and hit points. Yeah. We were doing the whole stat tracker well before, yeah. you know. Yeah, and remember, armor class had and to type it. actually mattered if you were following the rules to the to the letter because different weapons had different bonuses yeah. against different armors. And on the second page, you had, oh, here's the cool thing. I don't know if you remember this. Had the marching order. Yep. That was your player number. So if I was player one, you had the marching order in the front. Yeah, because you could switch it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and who was carrying the light source. Yeah. And then you also had the monsters that you were going to be encountering. Yeah. So this was actually a really beneficial thing. I do remember using this quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, the nice the goldenrod sheets here, I, I was just noticing they do have a date character began at the top. So you can yeah, there's, there's a line to put when you started playing it, because this character here is from four four eighty six. Yeah. 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 And we touched I think upon that was that Dave Bowers character? That was Mike Fox's character. Mike Fox, which is a guy I went to yeah. school with, don't even remember him. It's Abel, the high elf ranger. Yeah. You talked a little bit about the artwork on the Goldenrod. Is there, there's also the artwork on the front of this Dungeon Master's Adventure Log. Errol Otis. Yeah. That's pretty Is cool. there an artist that encapsulated the whole crazy, fantastical world of Dungeons & Dragons better than Errol Otis? No. I mean, I would love, I see him at conventions, but he's, you know, like most people, he's moved on. Mm-hmm. His art has matured. So that's what he's focusing on. But I tell you what, if he had a print of even that, the front of the Dungeon Master's Adventure Log, that picture that's sort of reddish, washed out red. Yeah. I would hang that on my wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that early artwork is just iconic. Yeah. It's very much so. And it, it, it has it has a naive charm about it. That's the whole thing. When the game wasn't the game wasn't so yeah, big you didn't and corporate. Have Larry Elmore and, and Clyde Caldwell putting out this like yeah, top notch. Yeah, it was relatable. Yes. Well, now let's talk about the fact that, and we can continue on. We've got the new record sheets for fifth edition, and I think that we've touched on this before. But okay, yeah. go ahead. Do we though? Because I don't carry character sheets anymore. I carry an iPad, and I use D and D Beyond. That is very true. That is very true. But what I'm kind of getting at is. Somebody mentioned this. I think it was at a convention, or maybe I was listening to uh, a podcast. Maybe it was Ten Cars Tavern. That he is of the opinion, or somebody was of the opinion, and I tend to kind of agree that you spend more time looking at your character sheet, or in your case, at your iPad, than yeah. you do actively involved in what's going on at the table. Yeah, you, I, I actually hear that a lot in other podcasts I'm listening to. I know. Uh, no, and that is that is a criticism when you put more finely detailed information on the character sheet. You spend a lot more time looking at your character sheet. Yes. Trying to sort of figure out, okay, what do I have that might be applicable or what am I going to do next? Do you think that that is part of the reason why some games get bogged down so much and that they they don't move as fast? That's been my experience. It's more of a play style thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just, uh, my friend Dan and I just went up to Winter Fantasy in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which, by the way, is on the other side of Indiana. Um, not being a Midwest guy originally, I was sort of thinking it was. Oh, it's in Indiana. It's got to be only yeah, a couple how hours far away. Be? Fort Wayne as is far, a long ways as away. As far away as it could be from Illinois is you're the answer you're looking for. closer to Ohio than you it are. It was like four hours in a snowstorm. So um, we had a Dungeon Master there, John Christian. We'll link his, his stuff. He has a webpage, top-notch DM, really good. And he 
part of being a really good dungeon master is bringing out the best in the players. So his table was a riot. A ton of role play going on. Didn't matter what the character sheets were. So a lot of it has to do with play style versus the character sheet. For new players, they sort of hang on to that character sheet like a like a life life yeah. ring, you know. It's going to tell me how to play the game. Yes. Uh, but I think as people get more comfortable, you can take it or leave it. I mean, back in AD&D, the big thing used to be, is it on your equipment list? I'm going to spike yeah. open the door. Really? What are you using? Iron spikes? Oh, yes. Let me see your, let me see yes, your character sheet. You don't sheet. have them. Oh, I don't see iron spikes. So that used to be the, the big thing back then. But the rest of it was pretty inconsequential. Right. Yeah. Nothing else really changed. We, we also didn't talk about the NPC sheets, which Dean was just flipping by. Uh, Wizards are, of the Coast came out with these little, like, orange, I guess. I would call them blaze orange. Blaze orange. Half sheets. They were half sheets for NPCs. And those were my monk, Trent, had followers that I fashioned after the Blood Guard from the Chronicles of Thomas Covenant. These guys would, like, throw down their life just on command. And I gave them all the Blood Guard names uh, until I ran out. Then I had to start coming up with other names. But I remember Bronn was one of them. These are pretty respectable player characters he was pretty high level by then i mean so I mean, and as a monk you essentially got other monks right so i do have a question here Trent was level 11 seven in parentheses i'm not sure what that meant it's always interesting because you know what you were writing down and what it was referring to but when other people look at other people's characters you know they they're like what in the world or they're maybe suspect of the ability stats or whatever you have something on here it's i think it's I can't quite read your handwriting. It's Aridel. Aridel. This guy right here. Okay. You know what? I haven't looked at these. Just what's his name? Arwald. Arvald. Okay. Arvald. You have here, and it's certainly not the present employer, but the present employer has this note that says, pure blue eyes. What the hell does that mean? Uh, You know what? I think I pulled that from Dune. So, you know, you only have so much space. And there was some magical effect that we had that if you used it, it changed your eye color to blue. So, so I thought that was when you snorted spice. <laughs> well, that's what it was was from, but we used it in a different manner. So I would just annotate it in that spot because you have to put it somewhere. Where are you going to put it? Yeah. Right? And I wanted it yeah. you know, somewhere near the front so that I would realize when he was interacting with other – because you controlled – sort of quasi-controlled those NPCs as well. Yeah. Is there – I seem to recall somewhere on these things – um. Yes, your hatreds and your foes and your desires and loves. Some of my players took that as, you know, they took that personally. You know, yeah, yeah. they <laughs> listed people on there. Yeah, <laughs> or that happened. Their their loves happened to be their their paramours. Yeah, uh, or they you know maybe got married in game yep. or something like that. But uh, it was kind of is a cool way to create that backstory. If you weren't somebody like Greg. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I, and it was, and also adventure hooks, right? The mm-hmm. DM could use that to weave into that's adventures. A, that's you know, what your complex you didn't background have email, is to give the DM adventure Right? Hooks. You didn't have email. Yeah. So if I'm getting a character looking for a hook, let me see your character sheet. And I'm just going to look for names. And then, you you know, I'm going to come up with some backstory for that NPC because a lot of Pipes players didn't. Sometimes they did. And they would work it in, but a lot of times they just had a name. Yeah. So you and could, I have to love. I'm looking at Eric's uh, Sir Nessus, the plus three long sword, the plus two hand axe. But they went up to plus five. So I know, but yeah. I'm loving it because yeah. everything is just magical now. It's not like you know yeah. plus five, a yeah. plus four. I, I know for a background uh, character, I gave you a full character sheet and a page long description of one. Yes, ones. yes. Now. There's, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I do. Before we go any further, Sir Nessus, I don't know if you caught this or not, Greg. No. He's got a venereal disease. <laughs> yeah, we played hardcore even guy. back then. So I don't know how Sir Nessus picked up VD, but yeah, I'm sure there was his a story desires there. are sex, money, rock and roll. <laughs> I don't think I played Sir Nessus. That was somebody else. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that was my, uh, that Mike. I think. Yeah. Well, anyhow, oh. he was into sex, money, and rock and roll. That, that sounds like my friend Dave might have. Because that was his. He's actually in a rock band right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is my handwriting, though. <laughs> Maybe I did. Maybe place. you're in his band. And you hate drow. But look, I mean, my will, I, Nessus, do hereby give all my possessions to my deity, Athena, for her to take in case of my death. So I was a good guy. 
Oh, he, was a, he hated drow. Yeah. No, his weakness and fear him. was venereal disease. He didn't have VD. He was just afraid of it, <laughs> which is reasonable, I would even argue. Okay, so talking about all that weird stuff, so other games came out, and we can't cover all of them. No. But I just looked through some of the stuff. One of my favorite games was uh, the James Bond role-playing game. Okay, yeah. we played that for, because James Bond was big. We loved James Bond, mm-hmm. and I think yeah, it was. I remember that one. Was it, it wasn't West End. Victory Games, I think, or something. Yeah, that's something. I yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't West End. The problem West was, End was uh, with James Bond was the boxes didn't have tops for like the modules. They were open topped. So they all got crushed. I still have them, but they're all in real rough shape. So the James Bond character sheet I'm looking at, my friend Matt was a freelance operative. Attractive, of course. Everybody's attractive in James Bond. His weaknesses, you know, so James Bond was one of those games where you had weaknesses and they would give you extra points to build your character, I believe. So one of his weaknesses is attracted to members of the opposite sex. Is that really a weakness in the James Bond universe? <laughs> no. no. I thought that was a must. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of how it goes. The other thing is a huge portion of the sheet in the first page has a multiplication table on it. Because, again, everybody's trying to come up with these weird systems that were not D&D. So you had an ease factor from one half to ten, and then you had your primary chance, and you would have to multiply them to figure out what you would need to roll under, and I believe it was percentile, to succeed at your task. And also had a bunch of skills. It was a skill-based system. Demolitions, driving, evasion, seduction was a skill, uh, which... There was a seduction sequence in James Bond, and we always used to laugh because I can I think I can still recall the sequence. It was the look, opening lines, witty conversation, beginning intimacies, and where and when. So the favorite thing for us to do was when you screwed up one of those roles, what was like what what actually happened? So what was the opening line that you failed? Like, hey, come here often. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. The where and when was the best one. You want to do what? <laughs> yeah. Well, and keep in mind, too, that back then, a lot of the guys who are playing this probably didn't have a whole lot of opening lines of their no, own. No, no. Because that's was... why they were playing the James Bond role-playing game instead of being Yes. So, so that was a, the other one I grabbed just because it, it differed from the rest. The Vampire the Masquerade, that would have come out. God, I don't even know. When Vampire first came out, it was in the '80s, right? Um, we Vampire? Pl- I thought Vampire was from the '90s. I think it was. No, yeah, it might have been late '80s because I know in '93 when I first got to UMass, I, somebody, a friend, dragged me to a Vampire LARP, um, oh, which gosh. was a whole nother experience that, if yeah. you've never done a Vampire LARP. Um, but there were girls there, unlike most of the other role playing. 1991. Games. 91. Okay, so pretty. Pretty. I was pretty sure it came out when okay. we had stopped playing in university facilities and started playing in game shops, and that was uh, yeah. that was around ninety. So the vampire character sheet had the little dots. You filled in the dots instead of actually having a number. So you could have put like my strength is one, my dex is four, but instead it had five dots, and you filled in one dot for strength, and you filled in four dots for dex, hmm. and it did that for everything for your abilities, for your advantages, background, disciplines. Everything was dots. There were almost no numbers on the sheet, which was interesting. It's just something a little different. So, well. For those of you who may be interested in looking at some of these old character sheets from older games and some that are kind of current, we should mention that there is a website that we took a look at. It's called mad-irishman.net, and he's got them all up there. He's got basic edition through fourth edition. He's got the Dragonlance ones, um, Pendragon, Rollmaster, Space 1889. Oh, yeah. Cool game. Our GDW mm-hmm. friends. He's got the Star Trek FAFA, FASA and Fast LUGs. Um, Next Gen, Star Wars. Uh, Greg, is this... Uh, I think that was another... Was that another dot sheet? Did you fill in dots in Star Wars or did you have numbers? No, you had numbers. Yeah. yeah. yeah, the, okay. yeah uh, is West, this similar West to End. what you're using now? Um, well, we're doing, uh, we're doing second edition okay. West End. All right. Star Wars and gotcha. uh, the sheets didn't change significantly between between the two games. Um, but yeah, one thing I was noticing too is the you know one of the games I played uh, back then a little bit was Faza Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And Faza Star Trek was uh, the character record sheet for that is oddly similar to a Call of Cthulhu character sheet where you are 
inundated with information. Hmm. Um, I think we had brought that up when we were doing games people play. You know, at during the con. that era, the explosion yeah. of RPGs, a lot of the character sheets got yeah. really complex. Yeah. So instead of you writing your skills down, they would list all of the skills available for the entire game on your sheet. Yep. And then, you know, you just, you if, you had, you, if had, you had bonuses if you had. in them, you could. Because in theory, you can do anything, you know, and as a person the default, in the game. They had the default percentage yeah. on the sheet. Yeah, and then you just filled in any bonus you had or some of these, like, I can see that one. That's a checkbox to whether you've, I guess, you've you've picked it and you get a bonus in it. And uh, Star Trek was like that. I don't, I don't know what a traveler, what does a traveler sheet look like? Traveler sheet's pretty basic. I mean, um, for Traveler, like, you're, it's 2d6 you're rolling, so a plus three is a huge bonus. Yeah, and well, because I was wondering because the character creation system yeah. is similar between Star yeah. Trek and that in that in the in the old the uh, Traveler plaza sheets are, Star Trek. Are pretty basic. Yeah. You had to do your entire background in your whole that's, life. That's, your that's whole a career. new Traveler sheet. So I, I mean, there's one. been seven versions of Traveler, right? Yeah. Right. Well, for those who are interested, you should check out Mad Dash Irishman .net. Now, what's the other Irish, site? Man, with the, man, not men. They, do you have yeah. the other site, Dean, the Arcanum? Or? Yes, uh, it's Aceum, and that is A-C-A-E-U-M dot com. Yeah, and that one has the entire TSR history yes. of character sheets, and that's a rabbit hole that's just if you're from that era or you want to learn about that era, right. it's you know interesting because he's got links to other aspects of RPG history in there as well. So that's sort of where you, you started down that rabbit hole. A little bit of everything on A-C-A-E-U-M dot com. Yeah. I, it's, is it Aceum or Aceum? Aceum, I think. I would say Aceum. I don't know. It's it's a Greek word, probably, right? Yes. It is the Dungeons and Dragons Knowledge Compendium. Yeah, and there's I mean, the history of gaming. It's got a it's got a nice people late dedicated 80s to it. or late nineties feel to it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some of these stuff's been around forever. Yeah. And of course, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't say pick up a copy and be careful picking it up because it's heavy. Of playing at the world by John Peterson. And you know what I'm sad about playing at the world? What the cover. It is kind of, I'll have to say, it's like... They should have done a better job with that. The cover's got like a chessboard on it, and... It kind of makes you think that he's going to cover games from the beginning of time to yeah. when it was published. But it's really, it's kind of not indicative of what the no, story or what the is or what the content is. They could have done a... And I don't know whether they were thinking they were going to try to market it to non-gamers. Yeah. But really, they should have done a better job Yeah, it's basically cover. graph paper kind of like mapping out... But it sort of looks like a crossword to me when I look at more it More so than yeah. anything else, yeah. Yeah. It's got a D20 on it and it's got some chits from like, you know, the strategy type games. Uh, you know, say squad leader or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know when, just when I think of it, I think of a crossword and chess pieces, but it's supposed to be a, like a battle mat with, yeah. with an well, overhead That's a fun choice, too. I, I don't mean to be mean, but that is sort of a graphic design fail. Yeah. Uh, well, on and, every level. So yeah. we love John Peterson. <laughs> yes. Don't get us wrong, but whoever put together the His cover, book, we, yeah. we've yeah, that, by, not by, feeling by, pick, it. by picking out that Seraphi font, it, that's what makes it look like a crossword puzzle. You got a grid and you've got that font and you're thinking New York Times. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's <laughs> Times Roman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, gentlemen, have we discussed everything that we need to discuss about? I, I mean, we can talk about character sheets for another three hours, but I think we we probably yeah. need to wrap it up. We talked about my dogs. We talked about <laughs> everything. Well, the what I was wanting to say, because I deferred uh, yes. until later, is the the main dilemma I see in character sheets. Because I every time we sit and play, I stare at that character sheet and think, God, this is it's got to be better than this. And the yes. dilemma is between convenience and information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, complained about the Cthulhu sheet. You are overwhelmed with information. When I was playing with the um, YouTube and Cthulhu guys, the first thing they do is they give you a pared down character sheet. Yeah, which is nice. So, yeah. So that's the eternal dilemma with a character sheet is too much information or only what you really need and uh, being decorative. That was another problem. If yeah. you were to design your own, you're a graphic designer. If you were to design to design your own, what would you add? What would you take out? I don't know. I I really don't know because I think about it. I, I would love, I love decorative borders. Mm -hmm. uh, the little illustrations are nice, but every one of those things you put in takes away space that you can add useful in-game information. Uh, do you put 
helpful charts and things on a game. Uh, back in the day, we used to do that a lot. You'd put, you know, like a success chart. In Star Wars, there's a plus minus, whether it's a difficult, easy challenge. So, do so you put that on your sheet or do you depend on people knowing that already? There's right? a fifth edition build. Like they call it different things, but like the summoner, it could also be a necromancer who has a ton of undead. And people will summon, you know, a hundred of something. And rather than roll 100 dice every time they attack, there's charts that you can use to just take the, what's what's the bad guy's armor class? Here's how many hit. Here's my average damage. Because it's going to turn out that way. So for those people, they should have those charts. If you're playing yeah. that character, bring those charts with you because you know you're going to need them. So to some extent, I, I do agree. It's like Sometimes you want the charts. Sometimes you don't. But I'm starting to think that there's no easy answer to this. So what you actually... and. Uh, you know, more is always better. I, you know, I, I fess up I'm a bit of a hoarder and I like more stuff, but I think you need two character sheets. I think that you need the one with all of your equipment listed on it and all of your stuff and your background things on it. But then you need something smaller, like a card size sheet with just your stats and maybe your common weapon uses or your common spell list, something tiny that you need in front of you. So, and that's all you ever have to refer to. So you're not sitting there reading through the five-page character sheet with all of your lists and all of your stuff on it all the time. You set that off to the side, you stick it in the cover of your rule book, and you just use this cheat sheet. We started a game one time way back in the day where we didn't know what our characters, like what our class was. Our DM gave us our race, our age, our gender, and our equipment that we had. And that was it. Those were nice. the, the the DM had the rest of the information. So if you had to sort of experiment and figure out what you were good at, which was sort of funny, it, not totally realistic because obviously a warrior or a fighter would have fighter training and a magic user should have some sort of spell training. But we, we sort of hand waved that and you learned your profession as you adventured. Hmm. So for huh. a while, the fighter's up there trying to swing a two-handed sword and the DM's applying a, a negative to every role because and, and, and we would get feedback like, ah, you're, you know, it's a little awkward, you know, but you're hitting monsters. So you're like, well, maybe. And, and eventually we gravitated to what classes we were, which was sort of interesting. We didn't play it a whole long that's, time. That's kind of fun and kind of cool. It's a lot of work on the game master's part. That's it for is. sure. You, your comment reminded me of something that I talked about on my radio show, which you can catch on Thursday mornings at 8.30 on WPCD 88.7. Plug! Uh, excuse me. <laughs> Big plug. <laughs> yes. 8.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Um, and the name of that show? Geekin' with Geekin'. Okay. Thank you very much, Eric. And the accompanying Facebook page. That's right. Um, <laughs> on Facebook. Same name. Let's not plug Facebook. No. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, we statted ourselves. We went through this. I saw year. that. It's on Easy Damus. E and one of your friends, his stats were like 17, 18, 17, like, 16, yeah. 18, 18. I'm like, dude, no. you, you have a problem with self-reflection. Like, <laughs> now, let's, let's not talk about that. But here yes. is my thought on this. I did mine. And you want to do these questions as honestly as possible. What you think, not of... It's also what you think of yourself, but what others think of you. Yeah. Okay. That that goes into these answers. Um, and then you get your stats. I would like to see people start a campaign with the stats that they got they from themselves. You know, we tried that once and it gets real personal real quick. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, didn't, a we never it didn't even, go well? No. No. Okay. But did you use this particular that really thing? Can't turn out well. It was in AD&D when we were all teenagers. Okay. We thought it'd be really cool. Just right? that yourself. And and we we even did, you know, like, well, let's see. Let's all just do as many push-ups, and then we'll, you know, clearly if you can't do as many push-ups as so-and-so, then you have a lower strength. Right. But, right? Yeah. But, you know, everyone. Then, then you get that. Yeah, then you get into yeah. charisma, and that's and, that. And that's the intelligence personal. used to, they, well, I don't know if it was official or not, but your intelligence score was your IQ times 10. So an 18 intelligence was 180 IQ. Wow. Well, yeah, nobody they, had 180 IQ. No, right. okay. Yeah. Well, this thing, Easy Damus, goes through 140 questions. They're, 140, they're, geez. 140. It takes 15 minutes to do this Dang. thing. And it comes and up meanwhile, with Meanwhile, the Russians are collecting yes, all exactly. that information. <laughs> um, it gives you your 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 uh, race, your class, and your level, yeah, and your ability. You're a lawful good ranger, if I don't, if I recall. Lawful good okay, ranger. So right there, that's why I didn't do it. Can't be lawful good as a ranger. Rangers have to be neutral. 
Right. I get that. Or no, they have to be good. They have to be good. They can't be lawful though. It doesn't specifically. Uh, hold, on, hold on. It's fifth edition. They can be anything they want hey, anymore. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're playing first edition. Okay. Well, uh, this is fifth edition. Okay. This whatever. is fifth edition. But anyway, um, it was very interesting. I uh, another listener responded and responded very honestly and came up with a very average eight nines and tens on their. Yeah, abilities. I mean that's that seems much more reasonable. Um, Honestly, most most people playing in a game yeah. should be between like an eight and an eleven. But that one uh, person who did respond and they had like seventeen, eighteen, seventeen, sixteen, eighteen, and and seventeen. I was like, whoa, that's a little swole for who I know you uh-huh. to be. Yeah, no. <laughs> All rangers must be of good alignment, although they can be lawful, chaotic, or neutral otherwise. So they could be lawful, or lawful good rangers. So, but it would be a fun thing to do. This is a very intricate. Uh, type of... Uh, yeah, maybe we should link that to our Grognard page if anybody wants yeah. to do it. Okay, so let's put a cap on this and close the folder on the character, character sheet. sheet. One other thing that I just want to mention real quick, in one of these binders, I actually have a hand-drawn map that we should also list a uh, picture of, and it was done by Julia Martin, who we've mentioned before. She ran a home game, and she ended up working for TSR, uh Got her name on, a, on Fates and Avatars. Yeah. But this, I haven't seen this in ages, was her hand-drawn campaign world on hex paper. Nice. Nicely done. Uh, we'll have to put a picture of that. We'll get great. Is uh, this mimeographed? That was photocopied. She was working when she, I was playing in her game. She was working at GDW. Yeah, that's pretty. Yep. And nice. I wonder if she even has a copy of that. She probably does somewhere. Did she print this font by hand? I couldn't tell you. It was so many years ago. Wow. Could have been letter set. Press on letters back in the day. Yeah. That's how you did stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the map that we would pull out all the time. I love the fact that you have your three ring binder. No, it was bound in there. And then I finally put it in a. Put right through the center. And then you. You were giving that other guy crap for pole punch and everything. And and then you you taped it to reinforce it. This wasn't an official product. (laughs) This was a working document. All right. Well, we have gone on ad nauseum. And I think it's time for Greg to take us out before we go any further. Okay. So. If you want to show us your uh, cool and unique character sheets, uh, you can get a hold of us on Facebook, where we're the Grognards. Uh, we do occasionally check Twitter, at TGrognards. On Instagram, we are the underscore Grognards. And you can always email to us at gamers at thegrognards.com. Okay. And for the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Holly. And I'm Greg Ziegler. <laughs> Came on. <laughs>